Good morning, Anchor Church. How's everyone doing? Yeah, it's good to be here. Good to have everybody. Good to see your smiling faces. If you're online, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in. If you're a guest, thanks for joining us. Thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Um, If you are our guest, make sure you visit the info table and get our gift for all of our first time guests. Um, I really quickly just want to say thank you to everybody who filled a backpack. It was awesome. I was there on Thursday night to help hand them out. It was so cool to to be a part of that and to see um, the impact that it made just on on everybody who, not just, not just the people who took the backpacks, but the people around, like, they were like, wow, you guys are just giving them away. It was really, it was really cool. So um, thank you for participating in that. Um, that is an awesome way to help make God known in our community. We are in a series walking verse by verse through the book of Romans, and um, the last few chapters have been really challenging chapters, um, if I'm really honest. So chapter six was about, um, it was about the through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have been freed from sin and we're no longer compelled to sin, right? And then the second half of chapter six was about sanctification, becoming more like Jesus, removing, eliminating behaviors and thoughts and attitudes that might grieve Christ and cause other people to stumble. And then last week I talked about the purpose of the law, how the law is not invalid now because we're under grace, The law just has a different purpose, and I kind of talked about the purpose of the law last week. Well, this week, we're going to continue in our Romans series. Um, We're going to finish out chapter 7, and the title of my message, if you're taking notes, is Rescue is Here. Rescue is Here. And we're going to dive into that in just a minute, but before we start reading the scriptures, I want to share a story with you, as is customary when I I preach. Um, When I was in high school, I played football. And I love football. I love football. And the class that I was a part of, the, the class, I'm dating myself, the class of 2003, we were all in, we were committed, and, and we just, we really wanted to be great. So we started working really hard. We, as a class, we collectively decided, you know what, no more. Our football team's not going to be a punching bag anymore. We want to be really good. So we started working really hard, like in the weight room, trying to change our bodies and speed training and practicing the playbook and all that. Like we were working really hard. And up to, like our coach had told us that up to that point, our class collectively had worked harder than any other class he'd coached before us. So we were like, okay, we're on the right track. This is really good. Um, And my junior season of football starts, and again, we're not a punching bag. We're, we're not a punching bag anymore. We, we're not like the easy win that teams schedule for homecoming anymore, right? Like, we made it to the playoffs, which we're all stoked. We were really excited. But we drew the number one team in the state of Nebraska, the Millard North Mustangs. And we were like, okay, this is our test to see how far we actually have come. And we played Millard North in the first round of the playoffs, and they throttled us 42-0. 42-0. We didn't even score a single point. 42-0. And uh, Millard North went on to win the state championship in Nebraska that year. So we weren't, like, too beat up about it, you know? Like, we were like, okay, the, the, like they were good enough that I thought they could have competed with some, like, lower-level college teams. Like, they were that good. Um, and so I'm like, okay, that's, that's not too bad. Like, if we're going to lose to anybody, let it be them. But 
that motivated us to work even harder the, the next year, right? And that following summer, we motivated each other by reminding ourselves of 42 nothing. When, when there was a rep that we, couldn't, we didn't think we could finish, we'd, we'd look at each other, hey, 42 nothing. When we didn't want to run another step, hey, 42 nothing. Like, that's how we motivated ourselves. And we got bigger, we got faster, we got stronger, we knew the playbook better, we were, um, we were just better, and we were more confident, and we were excited. And um, my senior season of football starts, and guess who's on the schedule? Number one in the state, Millard North, the, the defending state champs, and they're on the schedule, and we got it circled. This is, this is our state championship, right? Like, Millard North, we're going to show them how hard we've been working. We're going to show them that, that we're legit, and, and we're going to see all our hard work paid off. And we were confident, too, because we started out the year by beating the number five team in the state, the Westside Warriors, and so we were flying high, right? We, we were flying high, and we were feeling good about ourselves, and so Millard, Millard North Week comes, and we're focused, we're prepared, we are ready to play, we're ready to win, kick off that Friday night, and we got run out of our own stadium. 42-13, we lost. <laughs> 42, no, this is 100% true. We lost 42-13. And the only reason we scored 13 points is because they had their backups in. <laughs> so, that happened. And then our, our season began to spiral. Went down the toilet. We lost, like, the rest of our games because that was our state championship. That was what we had worked towards was to play this team and and give them a game, and we didn't even look like we were on the same plane, right? Like we were in totally different worlds, and um, it was just, it was not good. I, I'm still a little bitter about it to this day, if you couldn't tell. I remember all the details. It's 20 years ago, guys. <laughs> Pray for me. Um, uh, so, but as I was thinking about this, I, I had this thought, like it was like no matter what we did, we couldn't beat Millard North. No matter how hard we worked, no matter how long we practiced, no matter what we did, we just could not overcome this foe that, that we set out to beat. We just couldn't do it. Have you ever been in a situation like that before where no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how you handle situations, you just can't win? I think... I think we all have been there at some point or another, right? Whether it be with work or whether it be with family or family issues or school or friends or maybe something else entirely, the feeling is the same, right? Discouragement, even despair. Because it's like, why would I even try? I'm working as hard as I can, and no matter what I do, I can't win. I think we've all been there, right? What about in your relationship with God? What about in your relationship with God? Have you ever felt like there's certain areas of your relationship with God that you just can't get right? No matter what you do, you just can't win. You just can't progress. Maybe, it's, maybe for you it's like, man, I just, I don't spend enough time in prayer. And no matter what I do, no matter what I say, no matter what message I hear, I just can't motivate myself to pray. Or maybe I just can't motivate myself to get in the word like I should. Or there's this one sin issue that I just can't get out of my life. No matter how hard I try, no matter what boundaries I set up, no matter who I have for accountability, I just can't get this sin thing out of my life. 
If you've ever felt like that before, you are not alone. Let me reassure you. If you've ever felt like that before, everyone who claims Christ and, and strives to serve him has been there or is there. Let me reassure you, you are not alone. Even our Bible heroes have felt this. And that's what I want to talk about today. That's what I want to talk about today. I want to dive into the scriptures and see what the scriptures have to tell us about this. But, but first, would you, uh, would you pray with me this morning? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace, God, that um, we don't have to do this thing alone. We don't have to live life alone. We don't have to go through our faith journey alone, that, that we have each other. And most importantly, God, we have you. We have the power of your Holy Spirit. And today, God, by the power of your spirit, I, I pray that you would bring understanding to your word, that you would uh, make it clear to us that we would understand the meaning, that we could take it and apply it to our lives. We love you, God. We give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible this morning, you can open up or turn it on to Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7, and we're going to begin in verse 14. And just in case you're wondering, I try to always, re uh, I try to always read through NLT, and there's a reason for that. Um, NLT is not like the translation of all translations or anything like that, right? It's just, it's easy for me to understand. <laughs> so like... That's why I read from it, so, because um, I'm not, like, a super smart person, like, so I, I need to be, things to be dumbed down to me sometimes, so. Um, <laughs> uh, Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. So last week we talked about the purpose of the law and how the law is not sin. The law is holy and it's good and right, right? The law, but the law, the purpose of the law, it reveals the depth of our sinfulness. The purpose of the law, it reveals our need for God and um, uh, it, it reveals um, just, just how bad we are, right? And so the Apostle Paul, he's continuing in this thought process. The trouble is not with the law. That's good. The law is spiritual. It's good. The trouble is with me because I'm human. So the Apostle Paul is making it abundantly clear here that we are not good. We're not good. Left to our own devices, we will always do what's selfish. Always. And selfishness always leads to sin. Selfishness is the root of sin. So left to our own devices, we will always choose sin right? We are not good. And that's, that's a part of being human. Now, um, we're, we're born in, into, into that, right? We're born into the, the, the slave thing to sin. We're, we're born wanting to do what sin wants us to do. There are many people out there that would try to convince you that human beings are born good and we learn to do bad over time. And I think the opposite is true. We're born evil, Every inclination of our heart is wicked, and we have to learn good from the one who sets the standard, right? So that's what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's, he's kind of laying that groundwork. There's nothing good inside me is what he's saying. Verse 15, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. 
So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Here, the Apostle Paul is expressing the frustration of everyone who's ever failed to live up to the the principle, right? The standard of God. Everyone who's ever felt this frustration, he's he's laying it out right there, right? This is it. Everything I want to do, I don't do. Everything I don't want to do, I end up doing it. And I don't know why, you know, like this is, this is what he's saying. Anyone with a bad habit, like maybe say, um, I'll, I'll, use, I'll use an instance for me, overeating, right? I'm, I've been pretty open with that. Overeating, bad habit. I feel this to my core, right? I don't want to overeat, but I just do it anyways, you know? Like, like I've, had to, I've had to rely on the Spirit of God to empower me to get that out of my life. Like I, I, I feel what he's saying here 100%. And, and Jesus, Jesus kind of addresses this in the Gospel of Matthew, but he puts it in different words. The flesh is willing, or the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? I want to do what's right, but I can't do it. The, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus and Paul are on the same, same wavelength here. We know what's right, but we can't do it. Verse 21, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Verse 24 is the anguished cry of a defeated person torn apart by inner struggle. Right? And, and it, it, leads to this, it leads to this desperate question, who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? And when he says, who will free me, he's talking about the real me, right? The, the, the me that knows right from wrong, the me that wants to do good, right? He's talking about his mind. He's not talking about his body. He's, he's talking about who he is inside, like the inside person of him. Who's going to free me? from his old nature. Who's going to free him from that's the person that's bound to his old nature? Verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Here's our answer. Who will free, who will free us from a life dominated by sin and death? God through Jesus the Messiah. God, through Jesus, frees us from this life dominated by sin and death. This is the only way to be free from that, is Jesus. To trust in Jesus as the Son of God and to trust in his sacrifice on the cross. So, what's the Apostle Paul saying here? We're not good. And left to our own devices, we're going to always do what's wrong. Even though we know what's right, we're going to always do what's wrong. And that's always going to lead to death. And who's going to rescue us from that? Thank God he sent Jesus. Thank God he sent Jesus. And once we accept Jesus and we begin living for him, now we have this conflict going on. Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey sin? 
there's this, there's this thing going on inside us. And, and, and Paul says, I, want, I, I don't want to do like what's wrong. He goes, what I don't want to do, I do. What I want to do, I don't do. Like there's this conflict going on. And he illuminates a very real problem that every single one of us deals with, I, I think. It's heavy stuff. It, it's heavy stuff, but it's real life. And the Apostle Paul is keeping it real. And, and I love that. I love that, that he's, he's not trying to sugarcoat anything. He's not trying to make us feel better. Like he's just presenting, he's just presenting the truth as it is. And there are a few observations about this passage that I want to make today. Um, the first observation is this. We are at war. We're at war. Romans chapter 7, verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it's spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Paul explains what happens when, um, when war is declared in the believer, right? He, he explains in verse 14 that God introduced this liberating force he introduced this liberating force into enemy territory, right? This liberating force is the, the, the law of God, right? He gave us the law to show us our sinfulness and to draw us near to him. And he, he dropped this liberating force right into enemy territory, into our heart. And now they're at war. Now they're at war. The law is spiritual. And, and God says that, God said in, in Jeremiah chapter, 20, or chapter 31 that, that there's going to come a day where the, the law on the tablets aren't going to matter because his spirit is going to write his law on our hearts. And that's what happens when we accept Jesus. That he gives us the spirit and he gives us the law. And that's why there's a war going on inside of us because we still have a sinful nature, but the law of God is also in us now. And so now we're, we have this conflict going on spiritual law and indwelling sin begin battling. And this battle lasts the rest of our lives. A lost person does not have this battle because they don't have opposing forces inside of them, right? They don't have battling, um, battling forces residing in the same territory. A legalist doesn't have this problem because they've suppressed God's law for their own rules, this only applies to people who are truly trying to follow God and grow in him. Only the genuine Christian fights this war. Um, the war in me has been raging for a long time, right? Yeah, but it hasn't always been that way. Um, when, I first, when I first gave my heart to Christ, um, it was so different, and it was so new, and it was so exciting. The only thing I was interested in was growing. So it was easy to kind of overlook some of that stuff and, and, and kind of focus on my attention on, on the newness, the exciting part, right? But as I began to settle into my relationship with Christ and, and the newness started to wear off, I became very aware of this battle going on inside of me. And I became very aware that, man, I cannot live up to this standard. I can't do it. I became very aware of how, how evil I actually could be. And my confidence in who I was becoming was being challenged because every day I could see how I was falling short. Every single day I could see that I wasn't living up to the standard of God. So my, my confidence started to get shaken a little bit. I didn't want to fall short, but I couldn't help it. There's a war raging inside of me. And if you follow Christ, if you claim Christ, and there's a war raging inside of you too. 
If you follow Christ and you're trying to grow in him, there is a war raging inside of you too. There are two sides fighting for the throne of your heart. Two sides fighting for the throne of your heart. Let me be your pastor for a second, okay? In this war for the throne of your heart, the war is between God's law and sin. The side that wins is the side that you fuel. The side that wins is the side that you think about the most. The side that wins is the side that you give the most attention to. The side that wins is the side that you feed. Let me give you an example. If you put yourself in situations where you're not in community with Christ followers, if you put yourself in situations where you're not consistently growing in prayer, where you're not consistently worshiping, where you're not consistently in the word of God, where you're not consistently serving God's kingdom in some form or fashion, sin is going to reign in your life. Adversely, if you put yourself in situations where you are in community with Christ followers, and, and by the way, like, this is a little plug for home groups. If you're not in a home group, we'd love to have you in a home group, right? This is where community starts. It's an easy on-ramp to community and getting plugged in at Anchor. If, if you put yourself in, in situations, you make choices to live in community with other believers. If you make choices to grow in your prayer life, if you make choices to grow in your knowledge of the word, if you make choices to grow in your worship, if you make choices to grow in serving the kingdom of God, the spirit of God will reign in your life and he'll have your way and you'll grow beyond anything you could have imagined. You get to choose who wins that battle. You choose who wins that battle that's going on inside you. The one you feed wins. The one you feed wins. When the law inside meets the sin inside, the war begins. The war will continue until Jesus returns. As long as we're in this flesh, we will fight this war. So that's my first observation. We're, we're at war. It is war every single day, and it's, it's in here. That's the first observation. The next observation I want to make today is this. We can't do what's right. We cannot do what's right. We are incapable of doing what's right. Romans seven eighteen. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. We are incapable of doing what's right. And now, now hear me. I'm not saying that we can never do anything right. I'm not saying that like even a non-Christ follower can't do right here and there, right? I'm talking about though as a lifestyle. We cannot be right in the eyes of God on our own as a lifestyle. We're incapable. We can't help but do the wrong things. Our flesh always desires to do what's wrong and we can't help it. Um, when I was a... When I was a young teenager, I was a knucklehead, okay? I was constantly doing things that made my mom mad, and um, I didn't even try. I wasn't even trying to, like, upset her or make her mad. Like, but every day, we would get in these arguments, these fights, and she would get mad at me about something, and, and I would push back, and I would yell, and, and all this stuff, and, and I was just a knucklehead. Like I said, I wasn't even trying. Just, just my interpretation of life was upsetting to my mom, right? My, my teenage interpretation of life was upsetting to her, and well, one day when I was 13 years old, um, my mom was upset again. She was reaming me about something. I don't even remember what, um, 
But I was arguing with her, and, and then she did something she'd never done before. She threatened to send me to go live with my father. Now, my mother and my father have been divorced since I was two years old, and I didn't really have contact with my dad. Um, so I, I think, like, she was trying to, like, scare me into behaving better. Um, but so me, though, like, she'd never said anything like that before. And so I, I and I knew, even 13-year-old me knew, like, the only reason she said this is because she's so frustrated, she doesn't know what else to do. And so me, I'm like, man, I really, lo- I really do love my mom, and I'm not trying to, like, make her mad. So I'm like, how can I not make her mad anymore? So I said this to her. I said, mom, you know what? I'm not even trying to make you mad. Maybe it would be easier if I just went to go live with him. And that was the wrong thing to say to my mom. <laughs> That was the exact wrong thing to say. She, had, she broke down in tears and wept and was heartbroken that I would ever think about leaving. I'm like, you just threatened to send me to go, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, gosh. But um, she cried hard and she was upset and all that. Like, we, we ended up working it out. But the point of that story is I wasn't even trying to make her mad. I wasn't even trying. I was just being me. I was just living my life. And everything I did was upsetting to her. And, and I think sin is just like that. We, we don't even have to try and we just do what's wrong. We don't even have to think about it and we just do what's wrong. We are completely incapable of doing what's good and pleasing to God. The Apostle Paul realizes this and his response is, what a miserable person I am. Have you ever felt like that? I have. I feel like that all the time. I am dang miserable, right? Like what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? We can't do what's right. So the first observation is we're at war. Literally, we're at war inside ourselves. The law of God and the sin inside of us are at war. The second observation is we're incapable of doing right on our own. The third and final observation I want to make today is we are rescued. We are rescued. Romans chapter 7 verse 25 says this, Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the good news. There is a battle raging inside of us and we don't have to win it. We're not the ones that have to win the battle. We just have to not give up. We just have to not give in. We just have to keep going. We just have to keep fighting, keep striving. That's all we have to do. Jesus won the battle through his death and resurrection, and all we have to do is keep going. That's all we have to do. In my nearly 20 years of church leadership, I've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go. I've seen people find God, get plugged into a church, grow in their relationship with the Lord, find their calling, find their purpose, and like, Their lives completely changed. I've also seen the opposite. I've seen people fall away from God. I've seen people choose to purposely walk away from God. And I could never, I could never understand. If you've really experienced the love of God, if you've really experienced the mercy of God, if you've really experienced God's grace, how in the world could you ever walk away? I couldn't understand it until I began understanding this battle inside of us, this war that's going on. 
that we constantly have to fight and we're constantly not doing what's right. And, and, and if, we, if we think that like we're going to be saved by the law, by keeping the law, by doing good, then we're, all we're going to feel is guilt and shame, right? That's, I began to understand a little bit how somebody could walk away from God. Because if you're constantly living in guilt and shame and you know there's no hope of you ever doing the right thing, what's the point of even trying, right? I already said that one. What's the point in even trying? So I've seen people walk away. But, all, but the difference, the difference between people who grow in their relationship with the Lord and the people who walk away, this is the difference. Grit. Endurance. Not giving up. Keep, keep on fighting. That's the difference. Continuing, continuing to fight even when it seems like we're losing the battle. Um, I am a huge college football fan. Um, college football starting for me next week. I'm a huge Nebraska Cornhusker fan in particular. Um, and um, I, I'll tell you, uh, give you a little context to what I'm about to say. So in the 90s, Nebraska was like the team the football team in the whole country. They went on a five-year run where they won 60 games and lost three. In five years, they lost three games. They were like, they're considered one, that's considered one of the best five-year runs in college football history, okay? So they were like really good. Well, a few years ago, I heard somebody from that, that era, from that team, talk about talk about that, that time and talk about how the team was and how they got to be so good and that kind of thing. And, and the question was asked to him, hey, what was different for you guys? Dude, did you guys train more or did you guys have this like special weightlifting or whatever? He said, no, we weren't bigger than anybody. We weren't faster. We weren't stronger. We weren't smarter. He said the difference between being a good team and being a championship team is outlasting your opponent. Outlasting your opponent, that's it. He said, we didn't go into a game trying to dominate our opponent. We went into the game telling ourselves they're not going to outlast us. They're not going to, they're not going to outdo us in the endurance part, right? We're going to be better in shape than they are. We're going to be more fit. Now, they did all those training things, right? They, they were big. They were fast. They were strong. But it, that wasn't what set them apart. What set them apart was the mental edge of, I'm not giving up. If they knock me down seven times, I'm getting up eight times. If, if no matter what happens, I'm going to keep getting up. And I think that's, that's the approach we got to take when it comes to this battle inside of us, when it comes to this war inside of us. No matter what happens, I'm going to keep getting up. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep fighting for the Lord. I'm going to keep doing my thing because I know that in the end, the battle is his and the victory has already been won outlasting your opponent. That is the key to this victory inside of us. And who's your opponent? Sin, death, evil, the wrong thing, right? Wickedness. That's your opponent in this. And all you got to do is keep trusting in in the, the sacrifice of Jesus. Keep putting your faith in him and don't give up and we will be rescued. We will be rescued. The apostle Paul addresses this in his letter to his protege, Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which is the Lord, or which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The good fight that Paul is talking about is this war inside of him. 
this war against sin, the indwelling sin. He didn't give up. It was raging every day, and he was very aware of it, but he didn't give up. He didn't give in, and he fought the good fight, and he won. He won because he didn't give up. He kept his faith, and now what's in store for him? Crown of righteousness. He didn't walk away. So those observations from our passage today, uh, worship team, you can come, come back up. Those observations from our passage, we're at war. We're at war. We can't do what's right, but we are rescued. We are rescued. So question for you, and this is rhetorical. I don't want anybody to answer it out loud. How is your war with sin going? If you were to be honest with yourself, you're to put away all the junk put away all the pleasantries and, and just get real? Like, how is your war with sin going? Which side are you feeding? Are you making choices that allow the Spirit of God to reign in your life? Or are you making choices that keep sin on the throne of your heart? These questions aren't meant to condemn or bring guilt or shame. They're, they're simply meant to help us evaluate. And I don't need to know. This is between you and God. Ultimately, this is between you and the Lord. Now, really quickly, I want to remind you of what I said a few weeks ago when I talked about sanctification. There's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction is the Holy Spirit trying to bring balance back to your life. Condemnation is the enemy trying to shame you for doing the wrong things. Conviction has to do with our behavior and how it's hurtful. Condemnation has to do with us being bad, right? Sh being shamed because we're bad. If you're feeling a heaviness right now, I hope it's not condemnation because I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Jesus isn't trying to condemn anybody, but the Holy Spirit does want to bring conviction to help us bring our lives back into balance, to bring things back into line. What's the good news? The good news is we serve a God who um, has the power to change everything for us, no matter where you are, no matter what your situation is. That is the good news. If, if you are making choices right now that um, allow the Spirit of God to reign in your life, guess what? He has the power to sustain you in that, to, to help you keep making those choices. If you're making choices right now that allow sin to, to sit on the throne of your heart, guess what? He can empower you through his Spirit to stop and start making better choices. Wherever you are today, if any of us are going to succeed in this war we must look to Jesus for strength. We have to look for him, have to look to him for strength. He's our example. And if we follow him, we can make great strides in this inner war that's going on. Imagine a life where you don't have to continue struggling with addiction. You don't have to wonder about whether or not you're going to make it because your standing with him doesn't, have to do with the law. It doesn't have to do with being a rule follower. Can you imagine the freedom that comes with that? Remember, 
the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He doesn't want us to be bound by the law. He wants us to be free. Let me pray for you this morning. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for um, the honesty in your word. Thank you, God, that you love us where we're at, but thank you that you love us too much to leave us there. That you call us to be more like you. You call us to be conformed to the image of your son. Thank you for that, God. Thank you that you believe in us. God, I pray for anyone here who might be struggling with this war going on inside of them, the war between your law and and their, their indwelling sin. I pray for strength. I pray for peace, God. I pray for wisdom right now in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would guide them by your spirit into truth. God, we need you. We can't do this without you. We can't can't get rid of this sin without you. We can't stop doing what we don't want to do without you. We can't do what's right without you. We need you, Father. Thank you, God. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if if you're here today and, and you hear this and think, Pastor Ryan, I, I, don't, I don't know about this war because I don't serve God. I don't know God. I, I, I haven't submitted to him. I haven't put my faith in him. I haven't put my trust in him. Today could be the day where everything changes for you. Today could be the day where, where you allow him in. You allow his spirit inside of your heart. And you experience the freedom that comes with that. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Ryan, I want want to receive Jesus today. I want to pray with you. At the count of three, if that's you, I want want to ask you to raise your hand so that I can know who I'm praying with. There's nothing special or magical about raising your hand. I just just want to know who exactly I'm praying with. Um, I'm I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I just... I just want to identify who exactly I'm praying with. So if that's you, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if that's you, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so I can pray with you. One, God loves you so much. Two, it's time for you to come home to him. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Raise it high so I know who I'm praying with. What I want to do right now is I want, I want to pray with, with uh, you. I want to pray all of us together as, as a church, pray this prayer so that nobody feels singled out, nobody feels um, picked on or anything like that. Um, so if, if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. If, even if you didn't raise this hand but, but you wanted to, I want you to pray, pray this prayer. And I want to ask everybody in the house to join me in praying this prayer. Say, Dear Father. Come on, church. Say it out loud. Say, Dear Father. Today I recognize that I fall short of your standard. And I submit to you. I confess 
that you are the Son of God. And I put my faith in you. I put my trust in you. Today I receive your forgiveness. Make me new. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those who prayed that prayer today? That's awesome. That's so good. So good. Man, if you did pray that prayer today, you, you prayed to receive Christ, please don't leave without telling somebody or, or leave without getting some resources. If you did pray that prayer to receive Christ, we have resources at the welcome table that we want to put in your hand to help get you started off strong on this, this new journey with the Lord. So um, what I want to do right now is I just want to take... Uh, just a few moments just to respond to the Spirit of God. So the worship team is going to lead us in a song. Um, if you want to sing the song, you can. If you want to take time and just meditate and think about the message and examine yourself, you can do that. If you want to pray, you can do that. Like, However you need to respond, I want to encourage you to do that. But the worship team is, is going to lead us.